Well, friends, our our scripture passage today is taken from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Well, um, Christmas season actually ends tomorrow, so the decorations all come down starting tomorrow. Tomorrow is the day, uh, tomorrow is the first day you are legally, you know, as in, you know, tradition, allowed to take your tree down, take your decorations down. Um, There ought to be an end date on that, though. You know, you see people who still have the tree up in, like, March and and things like that, you know. Um, So I really think there should have been an official thing. I think I'm going to declare it. I'm going to say Ash Wednesday. All right, all right. so it's okay to bring it down starting on Epiphany. Starting tomorrow, you can take your Christmas decorations down, and if you have not taken them down by Ash Wednesday, it's a sin. Uh, okay, so we'll, we'll just declare that now to be, uh, to be our rule from now on. Uh, now, uh, on the Sunday closest to Epiphany, we always celebrate it. So we have this story every year because that story of the visit of the Magi only exists in Matthew chapter 2. So it's only told once. It's only there in the one time. So we read that passage every year. It usually ends up being the first Sunday of January when, when we read it. And the Magi, of course, are astrologers, all right? And that's why they noticed the, the sky. They, they were people who studied the sky. They were probably from Persia. They were probably Iranian, actually, okay? So, you know talking about what's happening in the world. They were actually probably from Persia, which is modern-day Iran, and they see this astronomical thing that's happening, and they decide to set out on this journey to go find uh, the object of what they believe is this sign sent from God. All right, so, so they head on uh, down, and they realize they, where they are heading. They know what people they're heading into. They themselves would not have been Jewish, but they understand that, that this must be something fantastic. And so when they get to the area, they go immediately looking for uh, where the knowledge would be, and they presume that the, that the knowledge would be with the leadership. So they go to King Herod, and what they do is they go on in, and they go, so uh, this, big, this big thing must have happened. We presume that a star of this significance could only herald the birth of a ruler, so where is this king of the Jews who's been born? So they go to Herod and they do that because it is a sign worthy of a king 
and, and they embark on this journey. They end up in that area. They go to Herod. And what I want to talk about, actually, the, today is Herod's reaction. All right, There's only so many angles you can have on this story. So what I want to talk about today is how Herod reacts to what's going on. And it says that as soon as Herod hears this news, because he knows nothing of it, he's not noticing anything, all right? And so he's a leader who's, you know, ignoring science, and he sees the star in the sky, and he's not noticing anything. And then what happens is he says, hey, uh, king of the Jews, this does not sound good. And so it says that he was frightened, all right? The idea of this king being born scares him. But the question is, what does it mean to be frightened? And that word in the Greek is this word terrazzo, all right? And this word terrazzo, uh, it, it means to cause inward turmoil, to stir up, to throw into confusion, okay? So that is what they're talking about by being frightened. It's not about the external thing. The word frightened is talking about what's happening inside Herod, okay? It's talking about how his emotions are being stirred up. He's in turmoil, at the news that there might be a king who has been born in the area because he's a king and as we talked about last week he's a brutal king all right and not quite as brutal as his has his son archelius but he's brutal last week's message mentioned the fact that herod had killed three of his own sons because he thought that they were threats to his power all right so that's the kind of person that he was all right he would murder his own children if he perceived them to be a threat to his power. All right, so that's what he is. And so he hears about this king, and he is now in incredible turmoil. Now, what's ironic about this is that, by the way, in the lectionary sequence of texts, last week's passage was the next 11 verses that come after this. And so they kind of flip them. So what happens is, is he... Um, goes and he orders the murder of all the babies under two years old because he's he, he's sure that if he gets them all one of them must be jesus and it also then says that joseph who had taken his family to egypt hears that herod had died and they're able to come on back so what's really interesting about this is that herod gets all worked up all worked up over this perceived threat to his power that wouldn't have meant anything. Jesus overthrew no one, first of all. So Jesus did not come and overthrow Caesar. Jesus overthrew nobody. And on top of that, Herod would be dead. It doesn't say exactly when Herod died, but Jesus is still a child. All right? Herod's dead 10, 20, whatever years before Jesus begins his ministry. All right? So, you know, so probably, I mean, you get the, the feeling that Jesus is probably still a toddler, or, you know, five, six years old or whatever. So Herod is not, you know, he's got five years left. Jesus is still going to be a little boy, and Herod's going to be dead. So at the end of the day, Herod was all worked up over nothing. He was murderous over nothing. Because he was afraid, because he was in turmoil. And I really wonder, first of all, as we approach this new year, how often does that happen to us? How often is our fear worse than the reality? How often do we allow ourselves to see something out there and get worked up? And it really wasn't worth it. That it really wasn't that bad. I mean, one of the 
best things, I've mentioned this a few times this sermon, one of the best things I ever had um, was, you know, as a part of the preparation process for ministry, you, you, you go into therapy, I really recommend it, okay, and, uh, but when you talk about fears and stuff like that, it's one of the big things, a therapist kept saying, her answer to everything was, so what? You sit there and go, well, why are you doing this? Well, you know, I'm kind of afraid of this, I don't really want that. So what? And, and what I've said is that what I realized through that is that not everything is a so what. Like we, we prayed for, for Jen's friend who has cancer. That's not a so what. Okay? That's not a so what. Not everything is a so what. All right? But most everything else, you know, out of all the things I get worked up about and worried about, two-thirds of them are a so what. Your, li- your, your health is never a so what. Okay, your health is not a so what, because you can't, you can't get that back. You lose a little money, so what? You can make that back. You, know, you, can, have, you can be embarrassed, so what? Right? Two-thirds of the things that, that I'm afraid of are so what. All right? and, and it was a really good thing to, to think about and to sit there, and, and, and sometimes when, when I see something coming, that seems frightening, that's going to send me into turmoil, sometimes I have to sit back and just go, so what? So what? How bad could it be? And and sort of take a few deep breaths and calm down. Because one of the things we know for sure is that fear leads to bad decisions. Fear leads to bad decisions. Fear is never a good place from which we make decisions. All right? And so much of the scriptures is, um, is better read from the perspective of what's going on inside a person when they make the decision as opposed to what the decision is. Okay? For instance, there's a, a, a famous Presbyterian professor long since retired. His name is uh, Walter Brueggemann, and he often talked about the, with the Hebrew scriptures when you heard about Pharaoh and you heard about those things. He said that, that those stories were really a battle between a theology of scarcity and a theology of abundance. All right? That, that Pharaoh represented scarcity. It represented, you know, uh, just holding in and hoarding and, and being worried. And then there is the theology of abundance. Don't worry, there's plenty to go around, all right? And, and that th- th- it's not a matter of reading what happens and seeing what did they decide, but looking at their decisions and saying, what brought about that decision? You know, in Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey, who does those videos, always talks about uh, the idea of, of do you approach your, your money, your finances, with a closed fist like you're grabbing it or an open hand. And he said the thing about it is, right, if you, if you treat your money like it's a closed fist, that's fine, you can hang on to it, but also nothing can get in. And, and when you treat it with an open hand, yes, it can leave, but it can also enter. All right, And so are you going to be an open-handed person or a closed-fist person when it comes to your resources? So much of Scripture is, is better read by thinking about the attitudes that are going on and then comparing that to your own. Not so much what did they do, did they go left or did they go right, but the question is what was going on in their mind? All right, 
when they made those decisions. So if you look at the, the passage today and you see what happens, you see the kinds of things that we understand will happen when you make your decisions from a bad mental place, all right? I mean, what's the first thing Herod does? He lies. He tells the Magi, he goes, hey, you know what? When you find the baby, come and tell me because I want to go worship the baby too, all right? So the first thing he does in this position of fear is he lies. Anybody here ever lie because you were afraid? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've done that, you know? Uh, I'm afraid of the reaction. I'm afraid of being embarrassed. I'm afraid you're going to blame me. Yeah, okay, so as soon as that fear comes in, and, and, and yep, there goes the lie. What's one of the easiest things that I've learned to do? Just admit it. Just admit it. We try to teach our kids that, right? We try to teach our kids that. Just, just admit it. Right? Be the kind of person. Be a stand-up person and admit it. And, and, and no matter what. By the way, that's the first lesson. The first lesson is stand up and admit it. The harder lesson to teach a little kid, because I was there too, was that just because you admit it, it doesn't mean you won't get punished. <laughs> okay? Admit it, take your punishment, but then you still have your honor, you still have your character. Okay? So just be a stand-up person. And so, but when you're afraid, you're not going to do that. The Magi represent a very different attitude, all right? The Magi are coming in not afraid. What's one of the things that happens when you're not afraid? You're generous. They bring these really expensive gifts to Jesus, all right? When you're not afraid, you are a generous person, all right? When you have this attitude of saying, hey, you know what? There's enough. There's enough. It's okay. And so often, all right, the scriptures are, are about God teaching us to not be afraid of not having enough. Because so many problems in the world, so many problems in our lives emanate from a fear of not having enough. So when, in, in the Hebrew Scriptures, when God sends the manna and says, only collect what you need for the day and just trust that there will be enough manna tomorrow. It's character development. It's trying to teach you to trust and to understand there's going to be enough there's going to be enough. You don't need to hoard. And when you understand that, you don't have fear, you become a more generous person. Right? And then what, what else do they do, the Magi? They're not afraid. They're not afraid of Herod, even though Herod is a person to be afraid of. They don't go back to Herod and tell him, hey, we found the baby. Even though what's not explicitly stated here is certainly true in history, and they would have known that it's true. They were risking their lives by making this decision. By not doing what Herod told them to do, by not going back and reporting that they had found the baby, their lives were at risk. Right. Had they been found? Had they been captured? You can bet that they would have been tortured to give up the location of the baby Jesus. So they were literally risking their lives to make this decision, to defy the authority, to defy King Herod and do the right thing because they were protecting the baby. And the thing is, even though you can infer that from the scriptures, it doesn't even say that they were courageous. They just did the right thing. They just operated 
from a position of doing the right thing and not a position of fear. They, they didn't sit there and say, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to us if we do this? They just did the right thing. And they just went home by another road. So ultimately, when you, when you see this story, what you see is that there are things that are scary. Herod is scary. Defying Herod is scary. But one person in the story lets his fear control him. And the others don't. And that's one of the questions for you. When you see something out there that is potentially scary, are you going to let it send your insides into turmoil? Are you going to let it throw you for a loop inside, throw you into a state of confusion, throw you into a state where you forget who you are or who you're supposed to be. And when you do that, the fear is controlling you, and you're going to make bad decisions. Or you can simply look at it for what it is. You can understand that, yes, it's scary, yes, it's risky, but I'm going to remain true to who I am. I'm going to remain true to my principles. And when you do that, there's a real calm that comes over you. Right? If you've ever been in that situation, you make a decision like that, there's a real calmness that comes with understanding I'm doing the right thing in the circumstance. Yes, it's scary. But I'm doing the right thing. And then no matter what happens, you go through it understanding that you've controlled what you're doing. You've stayed true to who you are. And it makes it easier to face the circumstance rather than being the person who is controlled by the scary circumstance. Rather than being the person who gets tossed about. And when that happens, you start to make the bad decisions that Herod makes. Bad decisions that are not only bad for him, they're bad for all the people around him. And ultimately, it was over nothing. It was over nothing. So the issue isn't ignoring what's outside of you. But the issue is controlling what's going on inside of you. Being aware of it understanding when you're being thrown into that state of confusion, being tossed about, and then deciding that there is a difference and what's out there might be scary, but I choose not to be afraid. Amen.